Hey, Rarecast listeners, join us for Global Genes Live, a rare patient advocacy unsummit, September 14th to the 25th. This two-week virtual event will feature a variety of interactive and educational events, meetups, workshops, and performances. Whether you're a rare disease veteran or new to the community, we invite you to connect and engage with us and others through interactive activities. To learn more, visit globalgenes.org forward slash live. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Narcolepsy is a rare neurological sleep disorder with limited treatment options. Avidel is working on a controlled release formulation of this standard of care, sodium oxabate, that allows for a once nightly dose of the drug. We spoke to Greg Divis, CEO of Avidel, about the company's experimental therapy for narcolepsy, how it improves on the existing standard of care, and how it breaks with the company's existing base of business. Greg, thanks for joining us. Danny, thanks for having having me on, and thanks for allowing Avidel to come on and uh, help tell our story. Well, we're going to talk about Avidel, narcolepsy, and your efforts to develop a once-nightly treatment for this rare condition. Let's start with narcolepsy, though. For listeners not familiar with it, what is it? Yeah, Danny, narcolepsy is a really chronic and disabling neurological disease. That's a, it's an orphan condition in the U.S. It affects estimated 185,000 patients or so in the U.S., affecting both men and women. But narcoleptic patients, uh, at the end of the day, they struggle to get through their days because they suffer from primarily two cardinal symptoms of narcolepsy. One is known as excessive daytime sleepiness, which is really as it's described, it's really daytime sleepiness in an excessive manner, and cataplexy. And cataplexy is a sudden loss of voluntary muscle control. And although these symptoms affect both men and women, they typically begin between the ages of 10 and 30, although I will say it can take years before a precise diagnosis is actually made. Well, what makes diagnosis so difficult? Well, Many ultimately, patients need to get to the right specialist and to go through the proper battery of tests to really uncover whether or not they have narcolepsy. And a lot of that are sleep studies and, and related uh, activities or, or clinical diagnoses, clinical diagnostic diagnosis tools. From a, a, a physician standpoint, patients tend to bounce between sometimes pediatricians and subspecialists before they ultimately get to the right specialist as a sleep specialist to really help diagnose this patient. But once they do get that proper diagnosis, they immediately get into the treatment algorithm fairly quickly. And is it understood what causes narcolepsy? Is this a genetic condition? It's not really well understood. Uh, there's there's um, a number of views in that regard in terms of what causes it. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to, you know, 
narcoleptic patients have an abnormal sleep architecture where most of us go through a, a sleep period of deep slow wave sleep that begins into to moves into REM sleep that begins into light sleep when we begin to wake in the morning narcoleptic patients tend to move in and out of those different sleep cycles numerous times throughout a course of a night and therefore never truly get the type of rest that they that they need and deserve. And, and many patients who we've talked to said, as a narcoleptic, the way they feel, especially during the day, is they feel like they live in a world somewhere between being awake and being asleep. In the world of rare diseases, we think of so many of these horrible and degenerative conditions. I think it's often not appreciated when you get a, a condition like narcolepsy, the impact it has on someone's life. What, what is that impact like? Well, it, it's really interesting uh, you ask that question. And we've had a chance and numerous times to speak with patients and help understand how this impacts their life. And it's, 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 and it's just not the patient. It's the caregiver. It's the spouse or the partner from that standpoint as well. But it's everything from, we've heard stories of patients who fall asleep at a stoplight and, and they wake up a couple minutes later, right? And don't know what occurred. You hear stories of parents who have been waking, who have woken up for over a decade every night to help treat their patient, their, their child, to help them get a chance to live somewhat of a normal life. And, and you've heard from other, uh, uh, patients who say th they're concerned they can never get married because of the disruption of their life. But when you think about it, uncontrollably, these patients will fall asleep. Uncontrollably, these patients will lose muscle control and collapse. And these are some of the cardinal symptoms that patients suffer from in their ordinary life that they have to figure out how to control and, and manage. Uh, how is the condition treated today? Well, once that precise diagnosis has occurred, nearly all patients initiate their treatment with, with really some sort of wake-promoting agent, or in other words, a stimulant of some sort, where that is really designed to help keep them awake and keep them alert during the day, but doesn't really impact their nighttime uh, symptoms or their night, their, 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 how they sleep at night, or their cataplexy if they suffer from this involuntary loss of muscle control. To date, the only treatment on the market today that's FDA approved to treat both excessive daytime sleepiness and cataplexy is twice nightly sodium oxabate. And it really is the standard of care. And although its exact mechanism of action is not unknown, is, is unknown, for many years, this standard of care treatment have required patients to take this dose at bedtime. It is a bedtime administered treatment that you have to actually, the patient actually has to, if you will, mix two doses. And they take one dose while they're in bed because it is designed to induce deep, slow wave sleep fast. And then at the same time, that patient has to set an alarm to wake themselves up two and a half to four hours later to, set, to take a second dose because this formulation is, is, is not designed or uh, formulated to allow for a patient to not have to wake up to get them through the night to sleep, right? So when you think about it, as the standard of care that only treats these two primary indications, is the only one approved to treat these two primary symptoms of narcolepsy, you have to wake up and disrupt that sleep in order to get them through the night. And, and that, again, as we reference, is debilitating not only to the patient, 
but it's debilitating to caregivers and to parents and others who also may have to get up to help administer that second dose. Your lead experimental therapy is FT218. What is FT218? Yeah, FT218, this is really where we come in, and it's our own proprietary formulation of sodium oxabate, right? And it is our once nightly formulation that uses our own proprietary drug delivery technology that has been formulated and now recently proven in clinical trials to provide patients the opportunity to have a single dose at bedtime, where our formulation is designed to deliver the same amount of sodium oxabate over the the sleep period as the the current twice nightly product, but do that only at one dose at bedtime and then provide a release profile that as we like to think of, more mimics the natural patient sleep pattern where you move into deep slow wave sleep that begins to move to REMS to a lighter sleep as you wake up in the morning. And that is our FT218, which we believe offers a a potential, if approved, potentially a substantial improvement over the current standard of care. You talk about the current standard of care. I I take it you're referring to Jazz's Zyreme. Is this essentially chemically the same and you've taken a drug delivery technology that's altered how it's delivered? Yeah, Danny, in essence, that's correct. It's the same active ingredient. Um, the same amount as of active ingredient as in um, the twice nightly product, uh, just formulated um, in a, in a, using our technology, which provides really, if, in its simple terms, a microparticle polymer-based extended release technology that, in essence, is designed to control the release of orally administered small molecule drugs, and and. Although that's a fairly typical description of drug delivery technologies, what makes this technology so unique is that it's really at its best when dealing with molecules that are hard to control, that break down in highly soluble or highly acidic environments. And and this is a classic example of that from a molecule perspective. And our formulation, which is a proprietary ratio of both immediate release particles and controlled release microparticles, where each one is its own miniature delivery system, really is designed to provide a release profile that is in, that induces sleep, but then slowly erodes the curve of the drug over over the night the sleeping period, whereby you have a nice smooth once nightly curve to keep the patient to induce a sleep, keep them asleep, and then have them waken awake awoken in the morning, not having to get up in the middle of the night to take a second dose just so they can get through the day. Do you face any intellectual property issues around that, or does the unique drug delivery technology eliminate those? Yeah, excellent question. And, you know, our, our development, as this is, a, if you will, a reformulation, our development pathway and regulatory pathway is under the 505B2 pathway. And so there is intellectual property that um, the innovator twice nightly product has that we certainly have to be aware of and we're keenly aware of. But through our formulation, and through our own technology comes our own intellectual property as well. And again, our approach has been to develop this product and bring it to patients as soon as we possibly can, taking into consideration you know, the intellectual property and ensuring, if you will, assuming the FDA agrees that our development program 
uh, is designed not to read on their intellectual property, but in essence, be our own product and our own formulation. At the same time, does this give you any kind of an accelerated path to an approval since it's a, a chemical and a disease that's understood? Well, we certainly will pursue every avenue we can to accelerate uh, the review process and make our case, if you will, as to why we believe our innovative once nightly FT218 is a substantial improvement over standard of care and should be approved in as short amount of time as possible. Um, we, we currently assume a 10-month review period and uh, recognizing that uh, we will do all we can to uh, make every uh, argument possible as to why it should be shorter than that. Well, what do you know about the drug from studies to date? So we've just recently read out a our, our primary pivotal phase three study where we enrolled one of the largest studies done in narcolepsy, where we enrolled 212 patients uh, into um, uh, a placebo controlled uh, 50% in placebo arm, 50% in FT218, where within the same study, we measured the three co-primary endpoints that the FDA requires for this indication. Uh, one, and, and, and a few weeks ago, we, we were pleased to announce that our pivotal study read out clinically meaningful, statistically significant results across all three endpoints, the maintenance of wakefulness test, the clinical global impression improvement scale, and, and the mean weekly reduction of cataplectic attacks that patients suffer. So those were our three co-primary endpoints. We studied those patients at six grams of dose, at seven and a half grams of dose, and at nine grams of dose. And all three co-primary endpoints and all three doses all were highly statistically significant and demonstrated a clinically meaningful improvement for patients. So we're very pleased with that. Um, on top of that, we were able to read out at a top line some of our adverse event data, adverse, adverse, adverse reaction data for the, for the highest dotation at nine grams. And we're very pleased with how that read out as well with, with very low rates of kind of common adverse reactions known to sodium oxidate related patients. And how do you do with the actual delivery of the drug? Is it a, a smooth delivery? Is there a any kind of surge of dosage throughout? Yeah, it's an excellent question. And if you if you um, think about this formulation vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the twice nightly product, in both cases, what you see is an immediate release of sodium oxabate, and 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 that really induces sleep. And our curve in many ways mirrors the same uptake curve of the twice nightly product. What our curve does differently is that it accelerates a little bit higher up and then begins to round off and deliver a slow release of product over the course of the balance of the night. So think about a fairly smooth curve of an up, a round, and a down versus what in other words could be two very kind of rapid peaks, up and down, up and down. And the goal of our, of, our, of our technology and our formulation is to provide the same amount of exposure to drug over the dosing period as the, as the twice nightly product, but do it at a lower Cmax. So when you look at our Cmax and the amount of drug we, we reach um, from a concentration perspective at its max during the dosing period, it's actually lower 
than what the CMAX is for the twice nightly product, uh, but still delivers the same amount of drug from an exposure perspective. And we were always very bullish that that would translate itself into a clinical benefit in our study. And we're very pleased with the results that showed the highly statistically significant results and, and a very, very, what we believe, very, very favorable safety profile. This product represents a break from what Avidil has traditionally been. You, you've built a, a pipeline of products that fall into a, a category known as unapproved marketed drugs. These are, are injectables sold to hospitals. What does it say about the future direction of the company? Well, you know, you have to go back, uh, you know, maybe 18 months or so ago, Danny, where the company really made a very strategic decision to pivot in a direction towards FT218, which meant, you know, that was going to be and has been and is our priority as a company. We're dedicated to really improving the lives of these patients who suffer from narcolepsy. And, and at the center of that, um, as our strategy, what we believe will be the first ever treatment for both EDS and cataplexy in a single nightly dose of sodium oxabate. Our, our, what we refer to as our hospital products have been strategic to the extent that they generate positive cash flow and help support investments into FT218 and into, our, uh, into our, that strategy. But our future centers around our focus in narcolepsy and the debilitating condition, the condition of narcolepsy, and the opportunity we have initially with FT218. Is there a pipeline behind this? Is the intention to use this drug delivery technology to do what you're doing in narcolepsy and other indication? From a company perspective, we've been very focused in ensuring that we deploy our finite resources and build the, the best-in-class teams we can to execute this program. And the team has done an amazing job over the last 12-plus months to position the company where we are today. Uh, we believe that there are pipeline development opportunities both within the molecule itself and with, it, with our proprietary controlled-release drug delivery technology platform. But at this point, those are plans, and we certainly know the things we'd like to work on. But as a small company, we've remained very focused on capturing the value for patients and for our shareholders in, in, in once nightly FT218. Well, you, you do have an enviable benefit of having actual product revenues, which can be used, I imagine, to, to fund drug development to some extent. Uh, you, you've also done some fundraising uh, in recent months. What kind of cash are you sitting with and how far will that take you? Yeah, we, we've really um, have come a substantial way in really strengthening our balance sheet from a cash perspective and really positioning the company to ensure, you know, we both operate from a position of strength and we, we have all optionality at our, dis at, our, at our disposal as it relates to how do we ensure we bring this important one nightly FT218 to patients as fast as we can in a manner that brings, the, you know, value to both patients and our shareholders. As we sit here today, um, we have certainly uh, well north of $225 million of cash. I think last reported on a pro forma basis was, was over $230 million of cash. We've used a little bit since then um, on a pro forma basis, but we've really positioned ourselves well. And we believe, should this be the case, we have the adequate resources 
to successfully launch, to seek, a, if we're lucky to have it approved, to secure our NDA submission, secure approval, and launch FT218 ourselves, should that be the direction we go as a company? Greg Divis, CEO of Avidel Pharmaceuticals. Greg, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. Take care and have a great week. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.